Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, Eber gets maxed out at Leipzig as Bayern's tactical ignoramuses snatch a draw. Dortmund roars themselves to celebrate a 3-1 win at Hoffenheim. Leverkusen and Stuttgart continue to win. Bochum continue to lose. And much, much more in today's edition of the Beer and Honey podcast. Hello, dear listeners. I'm Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we welcome you to Match Day 6 of the Bundesliga, where lots of stuff happened, lots of big results and even bigger storylines of the pitch. But before we start, a kind reminder that you can become a member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club, which would really help us out. We need to generate a bit more money to uh, make this work until the end of the season. If you can, even better if you can become an ultra or you can also sponsor an episode as our very dear supporter Ryan has done this week, but more of that a little bit later. Okay, Christoph, I think we have to start in uh, the biggest game of the weekend. And that was, of course, RB Leipzig hosting uh, Bayern Munich, a chance for Bayern to avenge their 3-0 Super Cup defeat. But it didn't quite work out. Uh, a 2-2 draw. Since they came back from 2-0 down at halftime, Bayern felt reasonably good about themselves. Leipzig felt as if they had blown a massive chance uh, to win this game. They could have been 3-0 up. But once again, I think the most remarkable takeaway from all of this, especially from a Bayern perspective, is that Thomas Tuchel still seems totally at a loss when it comes to understanding mm -hmm. why his team don't function better and don't play better football. Is this an example of a coach trying to deflect blame and say, it's not me, it's, it's the players? They're too stupid to follow my <laughs> complex tactics. I have to dumb it down again and again for them. Or does he really feel uh, puzzled and quite uh, yeah, um, despairing about his team just not functioning very well? Um, I think the latter, actually, um, because what you can see is sometimes they play well and then they don't within the same game. And, and so uh, if that would be a fundamental problem, tactics too complicated, um, I don't know, uh, uh, difficult dynamics between coach and, and players and so on, you would see it in matches. But as the matches are so inconsistent, Uh, sometimes uh, they play a fantastic first part and then it 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 it, it breaks down or, or crumbles a, a bit and and vice versa. Um, I, and I, I think we, we, it's it's really interesting it, uh, interesting for me that it seems to be the kind of overall theme for for this um, uh, Bundesliga weekend when we talk later on about uh, Borussia Dortmund and when we talk about Werder Bremen and so on um, it's so difficult obviously um, for for teams to play uh, consistent or, or have consistent performances uh, these days and uh, And Bayern is 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 part of the story, and um, and so um, that's a long answer to your question. Yes, I think um, he is um, he is <laughs> in a kind of despair, and you could see it on on on, on Saturday evening when he was on the bench, like, oh, why do they do this? I can't understand it. Blah blah blah. Yeah, but the interesting thing is that he did talk, especially about the tactics, and said maybe my sh my plan was shit. Uh, in the first half because it didn't work out and then he said we had to significantly simplify the tactics at half time and then Bayern played better but at the price of the game being very very open and uh, almost reverting back it feels to me that Tuchel who like all top managers craves control um, above above all 
um, which is a good fit with Bayern because they, as a club they crave control and they want to minimize always the factor of, of randomness and, and luck. It should be an amazing fit, but somehow this team are not able to to produce that kind of control. Now, is it all down to Bayern lacking that Rodri-type figure at the heart of midfield? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe you... That's what they're lacking, but they still should be better, shouldn't they? But look at the two, two goals they conceded. I mean, uh, the first was a counter-attack, and that was a pretty obvious... Not so perfect organization of of uh, of this uh, uh, defensive organization against this counter attack. Is that down to to overcomplicated tactics? No, not at all. The second goal was a goalkeeper um, mistake uh, uh, after the um, uh, after the corner from from RB um, that. Uh, Sven Ulreich completely missed, and then it was a a chaotic situation. A cuddle muddle, as we like to say. A cuddle muddle, yes, a cuddle muddle um, of a fi of the finest kind, and then um, Leipzig was was uh, um, uh, quicker, faster to react and, and and scored the second goal. So, is this down to over uh, over complex tactics? No, it's it's down to being quick-witted in in certain situations, uh, able to um, to react and and so on. That was a problem there, and um, yeah. So, but maybe maybe I mean the other part of the, um, the story. Yes, uh, Bayern was much better in the second half, but was it down to the change of tactics mainly? Or was it down to the change of intensity? Was the intensity a result of a change of tactics? Yeah, it's the, the hen and the egg. Yeah, I mean, Tuchel seemed egg. to think so. He went into extraordinary detail talking about um, the setup, how they wanted to have this superiority um, in both halves uh, close to the ball and it, it never managed to do it. And then... I guess I have to watch it a second or maybe a third time, understand what he did to simplify things. But that's been a theme for him since taking over in March, talking about how he has to simplify stuff for this Bayern team. In the beginning, you remember, it was all about Bayern being supposedly devoid of confidence um, after the the crazy professor era of Julian Nagelsmann um, and he had to do simple things and now six months later Tuchel is still talking about the same thing so that's that to me is, is very unusual and very interesting and suggests that it's not just about focus because he could have he could have done what you did Christoph he could have said well you know the first half we just made stupid mistakes at the back but then We brought more intensity in the game and that was nice. But he, he he wanted to talk about the fact that Bayern cannot do what he wants him to do. And he even wondered if his plan in the first half was the right plan to begin with. All very openly, as if he's sort of, you know, dissecting his own coaching in front of uh, millions of people. So it, that is remarkable. And I think it doesn't add to the sense of <laughs> stability or lack thereof at Bayern at the moment, that you now have a coach second-guessing himself so so drastically, in my view. But is he also, is he protecting his players when he says it, or is he attacking his players? So <laughs> You can read it either way. Was, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, they are either too stupid to understand what he mm -hmm. says or he is too nerdy yeah. uh, to um, to make things work for this team. Correct, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if he knows the answer, but I think it's those two explanations are possible. Maybe there's um, a bit of truth in both, but 
Yeah, remarkable, remarkable, really, to see Bayern in another high-profile game. Because this is not, with all respect, uh, Christoph, this is not VfL Bochum. Um, this was a real test. Um, perhaps the biggest one they will face this season away to Leipzig after uh, that game against uh, Leverkusen and, of course, Man United in the Champions League. But if you take those big games, uh, apart from the fact that Bayern conceded a total of seven goals in those three games, it's um, we haven't really seen them move closer to being an elite team in terms of having dominance and control throughout 90 minutes. And that, that is, I think, the biggest concern. Uh, the latest idea they have at Sebener Straße is to possibly bring back uh, Jerome Boateng, 35-year-old former Bayern player, of course, who's out of contract this season after a uh, less than uh, happy spell at Lyon. Uh, there's a lot of noise about this because Boateng has been convicted of assault on one of his former girlfriends. That decision has recently been quashed, so there will be a new trial beginning unless they find some kind of solution before the trial starts. But in the meantime, Bayern have said, uh, come and train with us and maybe we will sign you because we only have three three centre-backs. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, some of the more organised fans... Uh, already a little bit concerned about this. But away from the moral dimension, uh, Christoph, does that does that um, sound to you like a yeah, well-run club? Um, thinking of bringing back 35-year-old Jean Boateng, or is it one of those very smart, very obvious in a way, ideas that uh, could well work out? What do you think? Yeah, of course, it it doesn't uh, it isn't well thought out at all. Um, it shows the um, deficits um, the deficits of the uh, transfer co committee, and I think that Thomas Tuchel was shocked that in Münster in the first round of the uh, German FA Cup he had to he didn't have any um, uh, centre back, and so Leon Goretzka had to help out. And um, yeah, and I mean the um, the story of Jerome Boateng, beside his personal issues, I mean it feels as if his career is over two years now, three years, four years. It feels a bit bit like this. I mean, in when he was in Lyon, he I think he just played. 400 minutes in, in two years or so fell out with some of his teammates yeah. and to be uh, fair three years ago he won the Champions League still for Bayern so uh, maybe okay. not maybe so, not over for four years but I understand what you're saying yeah and so um, yeah but um, on the other side he knows the club he he understands the club and uh, maybe they find out that um, mysteriously he is in good shape um, for whatever reason And um, and yes, his role would be the backup, backup, backup. But um, but still, um, this whole transfer uh, story of Bayern this summer uh, so, uh, looks a bit stranger uh, after this idea. I mean, uh, they um, they seem to have put so much energy in the Harry Kane transfer that they uh, forgot about about the rest. Yeah, I think that's a fair, fair interpretation. Now uh, we we should talk about uh, Leipzig briefly as well on the pitch. Uh, they played really well in the first half. Perhaps should have actually decided the game in the first half. They had uh, the goals from Openda and uh, Lokeba, but then couldn't quite cope with Bayern's intensity ramping up in the second half, and uh, left uh, a little bit disappointed. But, of course, their game was completely overshadowed by the news on Friday, the day before the game, that uh, Max Eberl, formerly the sporting director at Borussia Mönchengladbach, who went to Leipzig amid some controversy and suspicions of him misleading uh, Gladbach about the extent of his uh, problems. He took a sabbatical, effectively, a few months and then 
uh, rocked up at Leipzig. He'd been fired, effectively. After less than six months in the job, after about six months in the job, and it shows us, I guess, uh, Christoph, if you want um, a positive slant, that RB Leipzig understand the showbiz demands of the Bundesliga as well as anyone uh, these days <laughs> because they absolutely dominated um, the media uh, coverage uh, with that slightly, yeah, strange, strange decision or at least a strange timing um, uh, for Friday. Well, what's your take on all of this? I think we have to to tell our listeners that um, why was he fired? A lack of commitment. That was interesting. The official uh, the official line in the statement was so a lack the, of commitment. So, in fact, and, and what um, Oliver Minslav, the uh, Red Bull CEO, was saying is, um, oh, he he did a good job. Um, we had a good transfer summer. We sold a lot of players, bought a lot of players. So, so the, the team we have is good. And, I mean... Um, as we already talked about, the transition from this team that lost so many important players to the new one was surprisingly smooth and very impressive. And you would normally say, oh, that's also down to the Sportvorstand, sports director. And um, But the complaint about his... Uh, non-commitment is so Max Eberl is living in, in Munich so he's commuting between uh, Munich and Leipzig there were complaints that hey, he wasn't uh, often enough in Leipzig there were also some complaints that some of his decision might have been a bit too expensive um, uh, here and there uh, but I think we have to keep in mind that Red Bull is also a kind of sect, so you you have to be full fully go into it uh, to to be part of it. it. So it's not like a normal football club. And I remember um, uh, um, having a conversation with Max Eber some weeks ago when he was talking about yeah how much he liked it and blah blah blah, but also that he wanted to change it a bit and have it a bit more like a traditional uh, uh, football club without going into detail. It was, I think, more about the the atmosphere because um, um, <coughs> RB is very um, a very corporate uh, uh, animal. And um, so maybe it, it was also a kind of, yeah, culture clash or underlying culture clash um, in what, which direction you develop the club. Uh, although um, RB, I mean, Oliver Minslov suggested in a way yeah, he, he <laughs> that Ebal is too lazy and not really into it. So I don't know what your, what your interpretation is. You were saying Leipzig is a bit of a cult. It also shows us how ruthless uh, they are as a club. If you think about the fact that um, they got rid of uh, a couple of coaches quite quickly in Tedesco and uh, Jesse Marsh. The predecessor of Max Eberl, uh, Markus Krösche, uh, left quite quickly. So it's a tough, it's a tough environment. Um, as much as you think that a club that doesn't have any former players being involved doesn't have the media and noise that some of the bigger traditional clubs have to cope with. Uh, it is very cutthroat. I think Minslav is, is a very ruthless operator and you don't get given time to sort things out. And that was ultimately Abi Leipzig's explanation for pulling the plug on Friday uh, ahead of such a massive game, ahead of a, such a massive week because they play Manchester City in the Champions League to say that, well, we thought it was the right decision, so what's the point waiting? Uh, it's not going to have that much impact on on the team, but a remarkable, remarkable development. And now the big question, of course, that everyone's obsessed about is whether he now moves to Munich, Max Eberl. Because there is, in theory, a position on the board available 
above Christoph Freund, the new sporting director. Um, you hear different conflicting reports from Munich. Some people saying that Bayern and Uli Hoeneß, who's the most powerful man at Bayern, definitely want Max Eberl. Others are saying that the club on the whole are not really quite sure about Eberl. Uh, do you have, you know, Max reasonably well, Christoph, do you have any inclination as to whether we'll see him in Munich anytime soon? Not in a, uh, <laughs> not in a, not in a, in a personal uh, capacity because he likes to um, hang out in Munich quite a lot, but of course, uh, working for Bayern. I mean, in a way, Bayern is his club because he spent most of his um, um, time, all of his time as a youth player at Bayern. Um, he never managed to break through, uh, really. I think he played one game in the Bundesliga for Bayern and, and that's it. And then he started his playing in Bochum and Fürth and, and towards the end of his career in Mönchengladbach. So um, I think there is an emotional connection uh, to Bayern. Um, and I mean, it's the top job you can get in, 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 in German football in, in that um, position. So uh, you want to live there. Um, so I think from his point of view is um, it would be very, very understandable if he uh, that he wants it. But I think, I mean, when we look back two years or so, Max Eberl was one of the most popular um, uh, managers in German football, very likable. I think it was... Um, uh, also supported of other clubs um, had the impression that he is a nice guy and so but all this saga about him leaving Borussia Mönchengladbach now this um, very brief spell at Leipzig and then going to Bayern it's it's not a nice story so I think it's it would be good for him um, to to be out of the way and to be a kind a bit forgotten in the month to come, and to have probably have uh, come back now uh, next season in the role at Bayern you were talking about. Right, uh, there was a lot of talk about Bayern and Leipzig, but it was a big game and uh, so many issues connected to it. But let's move on to our friends from Borussia Dortmund because uh, Dortmund were uh, in crisis. Christoph Eden Terzic was on his last leg. Uh, that's the sense we had. Uh, but since then, they've been quietly winning games. And uh, Marco Reus, um, the former captain, again coming to the fore with a goal. I think that's his third goal in as many games. Is the crisis over after three-one away win at Inform Hoffenheim on Friday night? I mean, if if um, uh, Thomas Tuchel is complaining about the inconsistency of his team, what 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 shall Edin uh, uh, Terzic do? I mean, he was his his Borussia was was playing a great first thirty minutes at an Inform Hoffenheim. Well, 1-0 up, dominating it, looking good, a lot of movement, a lot of lightness. It, it, it looked as if they were free-flowing. And then uh, Mats Hummels made a mistake that led to the equalizer. And all of a sudden, they were running around as if they had uh, um, uh, learning Fußball Deutsch. <laughs> Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. Bleiwesten an. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, Wests uh, filled with uh, lead. Um, I think that was a training device in, in, in way back, many years back. But yeah, so all of a sudden they looked... Uh, uh, almost desperate and um, were lucky um, to, to score a second goal, a Marco Roy second goal, uh, to go into the lead. And then the uh, uh, second half was uh, desperation and uh, the desperation got bigger um, after Rani Benzivaini got uh, a second yellow card and so they were down to 10 men. 
and um, to to not only survive uh, this but to have the for me one of the greatest goals of the season when uh, Julian Rierson was was uh, chasing his opponent uh, deep in his own half getting the ball pushing forward uh, uh, through the um, midfield but more in a desperation to get away from the own goal and then running and running and and pushing his opponents away and all of a sudden being in 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 front of uh, the Hoffenheim goal and and scoring after an 80 meters run i wouldn't call it a dribbling or so it was like um so somebody um uh, pushing his way through on the first day of or the first minutes of the super sale in a warehouse or so and uh, <laughs> yeah it it was it was great but um i think Edin Terzic is uh, still sitting there and 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 asking himself what 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 do i make of this team yeah i mean look let's see the positives they're scoring goals again they're winning games again they have a, a big chance to continue their positivity with a home game against uh, AC Milan uh, this week. And maybe things are beginning to click the way they did in the second half of the season. Um, football big still remains a very strange game and hard to, hard to <laughs> discern any real uh, trends that uh, are not already obsolete a week later that's as you said that's the theme of the Bundesliga this this season uh, one team that is consistent and that is uh, very much in contention to win the title um, if the season was over in the next uh, couple of weeks is Stuttgart uh, Christoph they won again they're second behind uh, Bayer Leverkusen who uh, are just as consistent but Stuttgart of course a bigger surprise package they are in contention because they won 2-0 uh, away to Köln. No goals for Girassi, a bit of a surprise, but they're signing from Brighton. Undav scored two goals. Yeah, the 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 Undav story is really fascinating um, because he he is, um, I think, three years ago or so he was playing on the third level of German football in Meppen of all places. Um, Meppen is a cliche, really, because it's the place that nobody wants to go to. Um, traditionally in Bundesliga 2, it was always seen as the epitome of second Bundesliga drabness to go to Meppen on a wet and, uh, Sunday Sunday afternoon. But yes, go on, yeah, Con um, carry and, on. Yeah, and... Uh, um, that was overtaken then by Sandhausen and uh, but but anyhow so Dennis Undaf he, he was playing in Meppen and then he was he got this um, surprise transfer to Union Saint-Gilloise and as we know Union Saint-Gilloise belongs to the empire of Tony Bloom the um, a Brighton owner and uh, he scored loads of goals in um, in in Brussels and uh, that uh, got him a transfer for Brighton i think the step was probably a big uh, a bit too big and now he is on loan um in Stuttgart and and initially he was um uh, they they took him to Stuttgart because everybody was expecting Girassi to leave um so they so to 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 have a, a backup for him and now <laughs> he was a backup because, as you said, Girassi didn't score a goal, but uh, Dennis Undaf scored two. And uh, but Girassi set one goal up for him. And uh, yeah, Stuttgart is still flying. And Cologne, although they didn't play badly, uh, are stuck with one point deep down in the basement of the Bundesliga table. Yeah, and we said last week that Köln, we shouldn't worry too much because they're playing well and the results are not really a true reflection of, of how things are going and they'll just keep doing what they're doing. Uh, are we still saying the same? Yeah. I, I, th I think we can stick to it. Uh, um, but th the problem with these things is um, 
if you lose your nerves and probably do, to decide, oh, we have to try something different or so, um, that um, might make you weaker uh, in the end, um, you can get, go deeper into crisis. I, I think... Um, uh, um, Stefan Baumgart just have to um, uh, stay on, on the path they are um, uh, taking normally and um, uh, they will be good. All right. Before we continue with a look at uh, league leaders Leverkusen, our friends from Farther Bochum and events elsewhere, I'm happy to say that we are being sponsored for this episode by one of our uh, most loyal listeners and indeed ultra members of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club. And that is Ryan. Ryan has asked us to talk about ALS, which is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, an incurable and progressive neurological illness. As the disease progresses, ALS patients lose the ability to walk, talk, move and eventually breathe. Although ALS results in the failure of all bodily function, It does not affect the mind, meaning that ALS patients are effectively prisoners of their own bodies. This disease is incredibly rare, but it has affected the lives of many, including people like physicist Stephen Hawking, baseball player Lou Gehrig, and former Wolfsburg player Christoph Novak. While some progress has been made, there is still no cure for this devastating disease, so if you would like to help fund ALS research or provide support for those living with the disease, please consider donating to the following organizations. In the US, it's the ALS Association. In the UK, the Motor Neuron Disease Association. And in the EU, the European Organization for Professionals and Patients with ALS. That's EUPALS. Thank you very much for your support. And thank you very much, Ryan, for sponsoring this pod with this very important message. Okay. Let's continue in the Bundesliga where we have to praise our friends from Leverkusen again, Christoph. Uh, they made hard work initially of their trip to Mainz. Uh, Mainz team yet to register a single win in this league. But in the end, after an own goal and a couple of um, goals in the second half from Grimaldo and Hoffmann, two of the new very good signings that they've been able to bring in, It was almost the expected result by now. And Leverkusen just continue to convince us with their football and their results. 16 from 18 points, their best Bundesliga start ever. Is it time for Bayern and others to, to worry and take them really seriously as far as winning the title is concerned? Yeah, of course. Um, um, since um, uh, Leverkusen played in Munich, uh, they know that they have to take them seriously. Um, and that performance in, in Mainz, I think, is um, was also very important because they didn't, they weren't playing that sexy football that we have been been talking about. I think it's uh, Mainz is a is a very difficult place to play sexy football because Mainz um, 05 is a hard working team, very well organized and they showed it again. But if you win there 3-0 without uh without really getting into problems, you're a top team. And Bayer is a top team and they are a real contender um, for the title if they uh, can keep uh, the, the form. Um, and if they can keep the discussion, um, you were also fueling... <laughs> uh, uh, Putting under, petrol on the fire uh, on of the, on Alonso the, rumors. The Xavi fire... Uh, Xavi fire... Um, Will he be the next Real Madrid coach? And 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 um, yeah. And so uh, in the end, they were discussing more about if Xavi uh, will be the next Real Madrid coach than how they played in in Mainz. And and this could could be a, a theme that is played from now on uh, uh, pretty often. But um, uh, yeah, I mean you. 
the man with the with the fuel can what is he saying about it Raphael well he of course is, is saying nothing which is part of the reason why these rumors won't go away if he were to commit himself fully to like to Leverkusen beyond the summer then maybe the speculation would dampen but of course he is within his rights to point to the contract he only just signed a few uh, weeks ago really to extend this his stay until 2026 and he probably doesn't feel like talking about Real Madrid every week uh, or even ruling anything out at this point. Uh, Leverkusen, they are quite relaxed and uh, it seems genuine, uh, their level of relaxation. I think they're also not naive. They understand that Xabi Alonso is going to be in high demand and if Real Madrid come calling, then the contract is not really that important and they'll have to find a solution. But I think the point that you mentioned is the key one they will have to find a way to manage this process irrespective of the outcome. They'll have to find a way to to not make this the main story every single week. I guess as long as they're winning, it's the kind of noise that you can live with. But of course, the moment there's a bit of a setback, then everyone will jump on this as the reason why the team is uh, is no longer performing. And then things can get a little bit awkward. But... Yeah, they seem to be so happy uh, with so much momentum and so much positivity around uh, the whole club and the way the team are performing especially that I think they can live with what is a very annoying and, uh, and of course, not un- not very productive debate from their point of view. Yeah, and probably they are also um, uh, relaxed because they know Xabi um, as somebody who is um, playing to his own rules in a way, so it's not like you you have to do this and that in your uh, coach's career. If if he would have done that, he 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 wouldn't have been coach of the second team of uh, um, Real Sociedad San Sebastian because it would have been easy for him to get a a, a team higher up uh, to start and and he seems to be very clever in in or maybe honest in looking at himself where where am i as a coach where do i where uh, do i have developed what is probably lacking on and so so i i think um it will will not be only the temptation to be um uh, coach or manager at Real Madrid, but also that he, I think he needs to be convinced himself, I'm ready to take this job. And probably he's thinking, oh, I need three more years uh, somewhere else. I don't know. We don't know. Maybe um, someday he will explain it to you, uh, to us. All right. Maybe someday we'll also find an explanation of why Union Berlin are struggling. Uh, so much Christoph I think this was their fifth defeat in a row which of course was unprecedented 1-0 at Heidenheim newly promoted Heidenheim uh, you talked about Julian Reinsen's uh, goal uh, he, here we saw a better goal no we saw actually the best goal um, from <laughs> yeah, Niklas Beste a wonderful free kick for Heidenheim to beat this Union team that seemed a little bit that seem a little bit toothless at the moment. A real problem scoring goals and defensively, maybe is it because of Leonardo Bonucci, not quite as solid as they like to be. Um, you said there's no time to be worried for Köln. I guess you think the same of Mainz. Um, what about Union? Uh, also same, the same. <laughs> and uh, it's also unprecedented in the um, in the career of Urs Fischer. He never has uh, lost five games in, in a row at any club, um, even at lowly Thun or with FC Zurich and, and, and so on. So, um, uh, and uh, on Tuesday, they already have the next uh, game up um, at home in, or kind of home, at home in Berlin, but not at home at the Alte Försterei, uh, but in the Olympia uh, Stadium against uh, Braga from Portugal. But um, they played better. They created a lot of chances, but here we are again with, with um, randomness and chance and, and luck and bad luck. Because last season, 
very often the opponents of um, uh, Union Berlin were thinking, ah, we had a lot of chances and they created from one or two and uh, how could we lose that? And um, this time it seems to be the other way around. How could we not win it? And um, so, um, um, yeah, but but I um, uh, football-wise, it was a, uh, a progress compared uh, to the um, to the last game um, at home against Hoffenheim, and um, so and and uh, uh, Urs Fischer will will not nervously uh, change directions. So um, and he he was also praising his team in a way that uh, they showed the um, basics and the attitude he wants uh, he wants them to perform. Everything will be okay? Probably everything will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A caveat for the first time. Fine. Um, all right. What about our friends from Gladbach, um, a team that uh, is especially dear to our producer, uh, York? They went to your um, beloved VfL Bochum, um, Christoph, and uh, you watched, of course, very keenly this time from home. And we saw Borussia Mönchengladbach win their first game in the Bundesliga. Um, they won 3-1 at Bochum, a game that was slightly overshadowed by events off the pitch. Um, what can you tell us about those two teams based on, on this result? Uh, briefly about the events um, in the stadium. Um The, the match uh, started with a 10 minutes delay because uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach fans had um, put their banners over the um, uh, safety gates so that they uh, couldn't be open. And then the, uh, um, because in, in a case of an accident that pe can people can flee onto the, uh, onto the pitch and that was blocked. And so the police said, uh, we don't allow the, 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 the match to be kicked off uh, until this is solved. And um, after 10 minutes, the banners were, were up, but the uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach Ultras were Uh, felt um, that they were unjustly treated because um, some weeks ago when Borussia Dortmund played that they, they had a huge banner and nobody uh, uh, complained about it and so after I think 20 minutes or 25 minutes they uh, started a lot of uh, um, flares and and smoke and um, and then in protest they went and missed. The, probably the best performance of their team in, in the season. Um, they were um, <clears throat> they were clearly uh, the better team. Uh, they could have been. They were three nil up at halftime. It could have been four nil, four nil or five nil. The the match plan from Jao uh, Seoane was perfect. Um, Uh, they easily escaped the high press with long balls or with fast counter attacks, and um, so um, and only in the second half, like in the last um, uh, 20 minutes, they struggled a bit, and then you could see again their defensive vulnerability. Uh, but yes, they they played a gate uh, a good game, and Alessandro Player, who scored two goals, was the outstanding uh, player on the pitch. And um, and I think this was very important for Borussia because with this playing against uh, a lot of top teams at home, having a, a difficult uh, program at the beginning of the season, not many points. I think. Um, uh, this trip to Bochum showed them uh, what is possible and probably it's the optimism they showed in, in the last week uh, um, uh, was right. So um, very good. And um, yeah, and for Bochum, it was completely the opposite. Uh, quite the opposite in, in what way? Thomas Letch, the Bochum coach, was saying it was a catastrophe, that game. And, um, and it was because nothing worked at all. And again, there are fundamental doubts about um, his style of play and, uh, and if, if his style of play and, the, and what the team wants or what the team is able to do 
but it, it's really clicking and if it really uh, um, fits we already had this discussions after the uh, 5-0 defeat in the first game uh, in Stuttgart and they had uh, three very good performances and now it's it's it feels like after the 7-0 and um, in Munich and after the 3-1 at uh, um, home against Borussia Mönchengladbach, that they are, um, yeah, that there are fundamental doubts about the way um, the team is taking, and for a team that needs coherence, togetherness, and and so on, um, that are uh, that are alarming signs uh, um, that are a bit. Uh, a bit too much, uh, I would say, and I, I'm I'm really. And next week, um, they have the fun trip to to Leipzig and uh, uh, have their <clears throat> their tactics and their game plan and tested. And let's see uh, if Thomas Ledge is making major adjustments or not. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, three more games to uh, briefly talk about. Darmstadt, they beat Werder Bremen 4-2. Christoph, there was something about Bremen that you wanted to mention. Yeah, um, Ole Werner said something interesting um, after, the, um, after the game. And he was saying that his team always needs a kind of um, uh, initial moment to, to probably start the game. So it, something on the pitch has to, has to work. And you could see it. Um, that they were okay after they were four nil down and then they scored their first uh, a goal and uh, probably um, also had the chance to score uh, more than the two goals. Um, we remember Borussia Mönchengladbach um, uh, scoring three goals in the last um, home game um, of uh, um, Darmstadt 98 to get the 3-3 draw. And he said it also about the, the last match of Werder Bremen, where they were wandered down against Cologne at home. Then they scored a goal and then things started going. And, and I think it's, it's always very interesting to, to see how, how dependent a lot of teams uh, are uh, that certain things work on the pitch and then you start Uh, probably and um, uh, yeah, but but uh, probably it's also one of the ongoing mysteries of uh, success in football, why it is so difficult um, to uh, to to be in the right mind frame uh, all the time, and why it sometimes needs to be triggered or so. Yeah. Okay, maybe less of a mystery is. The fact that Frankfurt are struggling this season. They saw Randa Kolomuani later on in the window. They didn't manage to replace him. And in Dino Topmuller, they have a coach who wants a new kind of football. And the growing pains are very much in evidence. Yet to win a single game because they lost again this week. 2-0 uh, away to Wolfsburg, who have uh, very much a goal scorer. Jonas went with two goals to raise his tally to seven this season. And can we be quite as patient and generous as, uh, especially you have been, Christoph, to some of the underperforming teams and say, everything will come good at Frankfurt. Don't worry. Let's just, <laughs> let's just let Dino Topmiller get on with it and they'll find a new striker in January and things will be fine. Or will a club like Frankfurt, who used to be a very nervous, very capricious club, that were called the diva from the mine, will they start to get very antsy? Uh, just to underline the problem, they are down in ninth, which seems respectable, but uh, only one win from six and only four points off the relegation playoff. I mean, that's always this, the story with this um, uh, situation. So everybody knows um, that Frankfurt had to sell uh, Kolomuani that they now have a huge pile of money, but they don't have the, the goal scorer they needed because uh, um, they couldn't buy another one for, for the money. But after a while, the argument isn't one anymore. 
That's a, the strangeness of our football discussions. Uh, I think it's a difficult situation uh, for for Eintracht, and um, and uh, maybe they have to kind of muddle through to uh, to the next transfer window and be prepared to uh, get a replacement for Kulamuani because uh, they need one. Yeah, okay. Uh, lastly, on Sunday night, there was Freiburg's home game against Augsburg. Now, in Germany, we have a tradition uh, on New Year's Eve to play an old sketch from the 60s. It's called Dinner for One. <laughs> it's not particularly funny. The same thing happens again and again. It's very, very predictable. But yet, here it is every single year. And it's the same with Freiburg hosting Augsburg because 17 times uh, they've met and 15 times Freiburg have won at home and this time it was the same with their 16th win. Uh, Vincenzo Grifo and Lienhardt on the score sheet and Augsburg. It's turning into the kind of difficult season that we expected for them. Perhaps more importantly, signs that Freiburg's form is picking up in the league after a difficult start. Yeah, but uh, Christian Streich was not not really happy about the performance. So he was happy about the results, the two goals coming from set pieces, one from a penalty, um, the other one from a, from after a corner. Uh, so, yeah, but now they have 10 points, so that that's okay. <laughs> but if you if you were looking at uh, Christian Streich's face, you you could see that happiness is uh, is something different <laughs> what he showed you yeah. yeah so um result okay um uh, performance yeah not so much um that's all we got time for in this week's uh, bumper edition of bn honey uh, match day six plenty of storylines plenty of interesting results we'll be back with a very special bn honey champions league episode for our supporters and of course that gives you plenty of time to become a supporter even better become a fully signed up ultra with a little beer and honey mug um dangling as the carrot above your head to take that to take that plunge in into ultra fandomness for beer and honey we thank you very much for your support thank you very much to our sponsor ryan for this week's edition. Go and support ALS charities if you can. Have a wonderful week. I was Havel Honigstein. And I was Christoph Biermann. And we say bye-bye. Bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.